When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for, your, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with your money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. 
On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Thanks, Jeannie. Um, as Rich said, there's no screen, but there is a handout which has got kind of sort of bullet points on it and some blanks to fill in if you want to make use of that during the, the sermon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your words and for your spirit. Thank you that you've caused your words to be recorded for us in the Bible and your spirit is alive today and he takes those words and writes them upon our hearts. We pray for his help as we look at your word together. Would you teach us? and change us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, how can you be sure that you really, truly belong? If you join a gym, you get a membership card. Maybe you get added to a WhatsApp group at the school gate, or picked for the team, promoted at work. Maybe you get your new passport, or your right to remain. You'll know that you belong. No one likes being on the outside, do they? uncertain about their status in a group? What if we take a wrong step or fall out with the powers that be? What if we miss out or get left out? If only we could know that we really truly belong. But if that big question hangs over our normal everyday lives, how much more does it hang over our spiritual life, our relationship with God? How can we know for certain that we're truly members of his people, that we belong? What about our children? What about the children in our church? Are they on the inside or the outside? Is, is it up to them, up to us, up to God? What if we or they take a wrong step? How can we know if we belong and if they belong? Well, it's 24 years, Genesis 17, it's 24 years since Genesis 12, when God first spoke to Abraham and told him to go to the promised land promising to bless him and bless the world through him. It's, a, it's around 10 years since Genesis 15, when God made a covenant with him, a binding promise to Abraham to give him the land of Canaan and many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky. Abraham believed that promise. Remember Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. But still there is no promised son no great nation, no blessing to the world. How can Abraham be sure that he really, truly belongs? Well, with questions like those in our minds, we arrive at this great chapter, chapter 17, all about covenant, all about belonging. And it's an absolutely critical chapter, not just in the book of Genesis, but in the whole Bible, to help us fit the whole story of the Bible together. It's full of also vital lessons so that we can live confidently as people of God who know that they belong. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to go through the story and help us understand what was going on with Abraham and what, what it meant for him. 
And then at the end, I'll draw out three implications about what I think it means for us today. And hopefully, as we go through, you may begin to join the dots yourself. First, God's covenant depends on God's promises. God's covenant depends on God's promises, verses 1 to 8. Verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Notice the covenant begins with God. He says, it's my covenant. He takes the initiative and he appears to Abraham just like he did in chapter 15 and in chapter 12. He echoes the promises he's made before, the promise of many descendants. And uh, literally, he says, I'm going to give you this covenant. It depends on God and his promises. Let's read on, verse 4. You will be the father of many nations. Verse 5, your name will be Abraham. Verse 6, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Again and again, God says to Abraham, the future depends not on you, but on me. It depends on my commitment to keep my word to you. He even gives Abraham a new name, Abraham, meaning father of many. Because God says, because God is going to keep his promise to Abraham so that he might have many, many, many offspring. So many, in fact, that nations and even kings will trace their ancestry back to him. What is more, this covenant is for Abraham's children as well. It's about the place where they're going to live and the blessing they're going to enjoy in that place. Verse 7, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Notice that God says that the blessing of relationship, and so the covenant and the land will be everlasting. The land will be a permanent possession to these children of Abraham. What is he doing there? Well, he is simply underlining the fact that this blessing of relationship depends on him, on, on God. This is a covenant, not a contract. It's a personal commitment by God to his people God's covenant depends on God's promises. That's not all. It can't be. Second, God's covenant demands human obedience. Verses 9 to 14. Verse 10. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Well, I wonder if that takes you slightly by surprise. God says in verse 2, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. It's a demand to Abraham, Abraham to be open and transparent with God, to live a life that wins God's approval and blessing. But now, God talks about circumcision. The instruction to remove the foreskin of every male eight days old or older, whether a biological son or a slave bought from other people. How does that work? Is this, the, is this covenant some sort of extraordinary spiritual covenant about blessing and to the world and many, many children? Or is this some sort of strange, ritualistic, religious thing with a physical sign? Well, that's the answer, isn't it? Verse 11. Circumcision 
is the covenant. It is the sign of the covenant. Notice verse 10, it says, This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So there he calls circumcision the covenant. And then in verse 11, he says, It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So in other words, the specific command that Abraham and his descendants need to keep to demonstrate that they are obedient is circumcision. Whenever they circumcise their male children, they are demonstrating that they are binding themselves to God just as he has already bound himself to them in the word of his promise. But why this sign? It's a bit odd, isn't it? Why not a physical mark somewhere else on the body, some sort of tattoo? Why not a particular item of clothing? Why circumcision? Well, I think it is because circumcision is a deliberate and clear reminder of the actual covenant that God is making. Now, on the one hand, and to put it slightly crudely, whenever Abraham looked inside his pants, he saw a a visual reminder of the promise of offspring. God will give you, Abraham, many descendants. On the other hand, circumcision serves as a warning sign. So it's a a sign of blessing and a warning sign, verse 14. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So if Abraham or any of his descendants fail to obey the covenant, the cut-off foreskin reminds them that they will be cut off from God too. Don't obey the covenant and you'll be cut off. Respond to God's promise with faith, and lasting relationship is possible with him. Promise of blessing. He will credit righteousness to whoever believes, just like he did in chapter 15. But disbelieve and it's curse instead. You'll be cut off, separated from God, and fellowship with him. So how can Abraham and his offspring be sure that they really belong? That's the question we're looking at, isn't it? How can we be sure that we belong? Well, Abraham and his offspring need to learn these two lessons. They need to hold them side by side. God's covenant depends on God's promises and God's covenant demands human obedience. But how, and how can they hold those two apparently contradictory, two apparently opposite things together? Answer, they look at the covenant sign which is a powerful visual reminder of the promises and the obligation to obey. Simple. Well, yes and no. God hasn't finished yet. Abraham still has questions. First, um, third, thirdly, God fulfills his covenant in his own way. Verses 15 to 21. So God repeats his promises, but this time with new information. He says the promised offspring are going to come from your wife, from Sarah. Do you remember chapter 16, they tried to figure it out themselves and they got Hagar involved and it all turned out very messy and Ishmael was the result. He says, no, the promised offspring is going to come from your wife, Sarah. And she gets a new name too, which means something like princess. And it, it all gets too far-fetched for Abraham. Verse 17, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man of a hundred years? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. You see, surely God can see that this isn't working. 
Sarah is well past pension age, well past childbearing age. Abraham, if he lived around today, would be getting a telegram from the Queen in a few months' time. Can't Ishmael be the promised child? He's 13. At that time, you could, you could kind of marry them off at that age. Not for the first time, Abraham's pragmatism trumps his faith. That God says, no, I'm going to do things my own way. Verse 19. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you are to call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. I just love the way God says yes. It's almost as if he concedes to Abraham that it is almost impossible to believe. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know this is hard to get your head around, Abraham. Who would dream the most impossible thing? That a child could be born to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. But nothing is impossible for God, as another young woman will one day hear. Not only does he say, it's a boy, before this child is even conceived... But he even gives this child a name, Isaac, meaning he laughs. What a source of joy Isaac will be to Abraham and Sarah. And as for Ishmael, verse 20, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. Now, Ishmael is not the promised child, but he is still a blessed child. Because the Bible teaches, doesn't it, every good gift comes down from God in heaven. Jesus says God causes the sun to rise on the righteous and the unrighteous. It is what we call common grace, God's goodness extended to all people. And that is what Ishmael receives. Covenant, com, common grace is a wonderful thing. But covenant grace is of an order of magnitude greater. And that only comes through the promised son the miracle child, verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So God fulfills his covenant in his own way. First to Abraham and Sarah through the birth of Isaac, and eventually through another Isaac, one who will bring joy not just to the parents, but to the whole world. But before we get ahead of ourselves, just notice how the chapter ends. Fourthly, God's people faithfully obey his covenant. Verse 23. On that day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. It's very simple, the the way this chapter finishes. Abraham does what God tells him to do. No ifs or buts, no debate or delay. He just gets on and does it. No turning back. Whether eight days old or 99 years old, whether a member of his biological family or a member of his extended household, every male is circumcised. Regardless of their racial background, their social background, everyone receives the covenant sign. Because God's covenant blessing is open to all through their connection with Abraham. Well, what about for us today? How can God's covenant promises to Abraham come and connect with us across 4,000 years? What demands does God's covenant put upon us? How does God fulfill his covenant in his own way for us? How can we faithfully obey it? Well, let me try to answer some of those questions with three implications. And each one has got a little New Testament passage to help us think further. The first one is faith. Faith. 
Uh, Romans chapter 4.11. Why don't you turn to that, actually? You turn to Romans 4.11. Um, page 1131. Romans 4.11. Page 1131. Paul says, And Abraham received circumcision as a sign a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. So Paul in this, this, this verse is connecting Genesis 17 when Abraham receives circumcision as a sign and Genesis 15 when God credits righteousness to Abraham through faith. And the connection is spelt out in the middle of the verse. He is the father of all who believe. So the connection between the covenant and the blessing of righteousness, the blessing of right relationship with God, is faith. Of course it has to be faith, because God's covenant depends on God's promises. God makes those promises, and we rely upon them by trusting them. See, Paul knows... That circumcision was never a sign that Abraham... Uh, he knows it wasn't a sign about Abraham. He knows it was a sign about God. It reminded Abraham of the covenant, of the promises of the covenant, many offspring, and the threats of the covenant. Circumcision doesn't tell him that he has faith or that he is righteous. He already knows those things in Genesis 17. He knew them in chapter 15, 10 years before. Now, the covenant sign works the other way around. It is a visual aid for Abraham, confirming God's commitment to him, to credit righteousness to him, and to all who have faith. You see, Abraham represents everyone who believes. The promise of right relationship with God, the promise of grace, comes to us by faith, and only by faith. Abraham is the spiritual father of many nations. So wherever we come from, whether we believed years ago or whether God moves in our hearts this morning to enable us to believe today for the very first time, if we believe that God fulfilled his gospel promises through Jesus, we will be blessed by God. How can we be sure that we really truly belong? First of all, by looking inside, looking inside at our hearts and saying to ourselves, do I have faith? Not do I have enough faith, but do I have faith in the right place? Do I have faith in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for me? No one can make themselves right with God by their own efforts, but to use the language of Genesis 17, God will be our God if we trust in his promises to us through Jesus. That's the first implication of the covenant, faith. And it leads naturally onto the second, which is children. Second implication, children. So let's not be careful as we look through this chapter to miss the wood for the trees. The covenant is all about children. It's all about offspring. Not just Isaac, but countless grandchildren too. God passing on his blessing through the generations. It's often said, isn't it? Maybe you've heard this, that God does not have grandchildren and in a very real sense, that's true. 
We can't receive God's blessing if we don't have faith, and neither can our children. Now, whether our own biological children or the children in our church family. To use um, Old Testament language, God must circumcise their hearts by his Holy Spirit. To use New Testament language, to use Jesus' words, they must be born again. But let's not push the idea of God not having grandchildren too far. Because it's also true that God doesn't hit the reset button every time believing parents have a child. He operates through families and church families. And he expects his promises to be passed on from one generation to the next. I think that is why, um, right at the end of the Christmas story, we get that little verse in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. Because he was just just as much a member of the covenant as his parents were. And what did they do? They faithfully obeyed the covenant. And then Jesus obeyed the covenant too as he grew up. And more than that, Jesus was the Isaac, the promised miracle child, the one through whom God was going to fulfill his covenant in his own way. He always walked faithfully and blamelessly before God. He was the perfect covenant keeper. And then he was the substitute covenant breaker for us when he died on the cross in our place. And so on the very first day of the new covenant, the Apostle Peter stands up in Jerusalem and he announces um, how the nations gathered there could receive God's blessing. And the way he does that, I think, deliberately echoes the words of the old covenant. If you turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2 with me. Um, page 1094. So the people have heard um, Abraham, sorry, they've heard Peter uh, preach about Jesus and they say, what should we do? And then Acts chapter 2, 38, page 1094, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So God's plan to bless one generation after another after another has been fulfilled in Jesus. And whoever believes, whether a child or an adult, will receive the gospel promises, forgiveness for sins and the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Why do I talk about this? Well, I think it's... This is really important to help us think biblically about our children, whether our own children or the children in our church family. See, if we are members of the covenant as believing parents, then our children are members of the covenant too. They're not that they're covenant people. They're not mini pagans who happen to live under the same roof as us or happen to come to the same church as us. Now, don't mishear me. Being a covenant person is not the same as being a converted person. They still need to be born again. Ishmael receives the covenant sign, but he's not converted. Isaac receives the covenant sign, but he's not converted until later on in life. So we need to pray that the Lord would give our children a new heart. But their place as covenant people is the best place to start in life. And it gives us motivation as their parents and as other adults in the same church family as them. It spurs us on to think about our children's and youth ministry seriously. It it spurs us on to teach them about Jesus, to train them to live it out in their lives. 
whether it's both parents or just one parent, our children are part of the covenant. So let's welcome them as people who belong. After all, if we, and I don't think we do this, but if, let's just imagine, let me be devil's advocate slightly. If we, um, if we treat them as outsiders who need to earn their place to belong, let's not be surprised if when they grow up, they think, well, you always treated me like as an outsider. I'm going to be an outsider. First two implications, faith and children. And the last brings those together. Thirdly, uh, baptism. Baptism. Now, I guess at least 50, or around about 50% of us in the building right now are pretty glad that God replaced the old covenant sign with a new one. And we see that replacement uh, in our last New Testament passage, which is Matthew 28. Page um, 1001. This is the Great Commission. The risen Jesus is speaking to his disciples as they go into the world. And this passage echoes Genesis 17. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You notice God said to Abraham, I will be their God. And now what does Jesus say? I am with you always. In other words, I'll be your God. No longer are disciples limited to Abraham's biological offspring, but followers of Jesus all over the world. If we obey his teaching today, we are part of his covenant. And baptism is given as that new symbolic sign that we belong. Now, of course, Water, whether kind of immersion water or a little bit of water on the forehead, it doesn't remove skin any, sin any more than cutting off a foreskin does. But the water of baptism functions in the same way. It pictures God's promise to cleanse us from sin if we trust in Jesus. It's, it's, and also, it's no more of a sign about what's happened in our hearts than circumcision was a sign about what had happened in Abraham's heart doesn't point to us it points to God it points to God's commitment to keep his gospel promises it's like a check we don't use those anymore do we but I promise to pay the bearer x so the check points to the promise of the person who's giving the check circumcision and baptism are like that they point to the one who makes the promise you see if we want to know that we belong we don't just have to look inside to be sure that we belong at our faith, we can also look outside at the sign and from the sign to God. Baptism is a wonderful, visible word to reassure us that we belong. So let me say to you today, if there's anyone here, you're here today and you know that you love Jesus, you know you trust Jesus, you're living for him, but you're not yet baptized, Let me encourage you, don't delay. Abraham didn't delay. Don't delay, it's a wonderful thing. A reminder of God's gospel promises. If that is you, I'd love you to come and chat to me. We can talk about about that further. Uh, But let me just go one step further and ask a slightly provocative question as we draw towards a close. If faith is the way we receive the covenant blessings, and if baptism is the new covenant sign, 
And if our children are just as much a part of their covenant as their believing parents, then what would stop a believer from baptizing their children? Now, there are answers to that question, and we can agree to disagree, and that's okay. But let me just say, as your pastor, as someone who is convinced in the goodness of infant baptism, let me encourage you to think about that question for yourself. Think about it seriously. Because baptism isn't about us dedicating ourselves or our children to God. It is about remembering that God dedicates himself to us and to our children to be our God. It authenticates his promise, not what we're doing for him, what he's doing for us. And so if we do choose to baptize our children, we are not performing a magical rite that somehow makes them a Christian. We are simply trusting that God will do what he has said he will do. He will bless all who respond in faith to the promises of the gospel. And so we ask God to give faith to our children, but also encourage them to look to their own baptism and from, the sign, from that baptism, from that sign to God, his promises are true. They can trust him. I, I spent um, three evenings about a year and a half ago with a few parents here in the church thinking about this. And uh, we agreed to disagree, that's okay. And, um, but if you would like to know more about that, um, there's, a, a whole, there's a whole course that I wrote and handouts on that. And I'd be very happy to share that with you um, if you'd like to. But let me come back to the, to the big picture. It's a big chapter. And so we've had to look at it in quite a lot of depth. How can we be sure that we really belong? First, God's covenant depends on God's promises. Begins and ends with him. And let's recognize, secondly, God's covenant demands our obedience. We have a part to play. We need to have faith. We need to live out our relationship with him. Let's rejoice that God fulfills his covenant in his own way. He doesn't need Abraham's pragmatism. He doesn't need our good works. He deals with Abraham's skepticism and our failure to believe, he does that by sending his promised miracle child, Jesus. The one who kept the covenant for us. The one who was fully obedient for us. And so let's respond by being people who keep God's covenant faithfully. No debate or delay. No favoritism. No special treatment. Sharing God's covenant with his blessing with everyone around us. The world around us. With each other. With our children. Shall we pray? Father, we've explored some, um, some quite big things this morning from this chapter. And um, we pray that you would take those things that are true and helpful and you'd write them on our hearts. And those things that I've said that may be less helpful, you'd uh, take them away. You'd help us to be a, a church family that encourages one another, reminds one another of the blessing of belonging, of being part of your people. Help us to bring our children up to know and trust you to love you for themselves, that they enjoy being part of your people. And we, we pray that you would use these things for your namesake. Amen.